Well, today we are going to go to a wedding. Um, of all things, out of all the things we've been through in the book of Revelation, today we land on a wedding. And whether you like weddings or don't like weddings, I think that this wedding will speak to you specifically. Um, so, weddings are pretty awesome. They're pretty awesome events. Um, there's been some great weddings in history. And <clears throat> there's one wedding that is deemed the most spectacular of all weddings that has ever occurred in uh, the world. And that was on July the 29th in 1981 when Prince Charles and Diana were married. This wedding is proclaimed the most spectacular for several reasons. I'm just going to read off a few of them and think through this with me. Try to even wrap your mind around this. This wedding had 3,500 wedding guests in person. That doesn't count the 750 million TV viewers that watched the wedding on TV. They rode in a glass carriage. <laughs> That's pretty spectacular in and of itself. Uh, the dress had over 10,000 inlaid pearls in it. Now, not the top pearls that were in Julie Beth's wedding dress. I'm talking about real pearls. 10,000 inlaid pearls in this dress um, with a 25-foot-long train. The total cost, accounting for inflation, was this. $110 million, with an M dollars for this wedding. That's a pretty spectacular, if you will, event. And as, expect, as, 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 as spectacular as this wedding was, it doesn't hold a candle to the wedding that we're going to see today in the book of Revelation. That's where we've made it in our journey, chapter 19 of Revelation, to the marriage feast of the Lamb, if you will. And so we're going to look at this. Uh, we've labored and, and uh, chewed through some pretty bizarre stuff, haven't we, <laughs> through the book of Revelation. Bizarre is an understatement, um, unknowable. Uh, it's been very insightful if we chew through this. But today, what I'm going to ask you to do is just kind of lean in, lean in and look at this wedding day that plays out in this text. It is Christ's wedding day. And that's something we don't think about a lot of times, is that Christ has a wedding day. Well, today we're going to discover that wedding day. So in Revelation 19... We're going to get to see at least three details about this wedding. I'm sure there's many more that you could pull out, but I want to just look at three things that I want to see about this. Number one is this. Anyone can get in on this wedding day. Anybody. Um, now, for us in our society, when you go to a wedding list and all that kind of stuff, you have to, you have to cut and dissect well, we can't invite all these people, but we can't invite these people, whether it's money or whether it's the size of the facility or whatever it is. You have to kind of whittle down. But in Christ's wedding, anybody can get in on this wedding day. Revelation chapter 19, verse 1 begins this way. And after this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven. People are here from every nationality, every gender, Every ethnicity, every language, all of humanity is finally at Christ's wedding, one. 
And I know we talk about that a lot in our society, but it never seems to ring true. We talk about being one, but we're not really one. Well, on this day, all are together for one purpose, and humanity finally is one. And so before we get lost in all of the, the moment of this wedding, and I'm telling you, there's some grand moments in here. Before we get lost in that, I think there's just two glorious truths right off the bat through that first part of verse 1. That being this, number one, there's never been a person that wanted to come to Christ that couldn't. And number two, there's never been a person that wanted to come to Christ that didn't get an invitation. That's how grand his wedding moment is, and that's how grand the call of salvation is. And so if you're here today, you're not too far gone, you're not left out, you were extended an invitation to this. You're, you're not too dirty to be uninvited to Christ's wedding. And so that's the first thing that we see in this is that anyone can get in on it. Now it gets better even from there. Second thing I want us to see is this. Christ's wedding is not a celebration of necessarily the people that are there. Christ's wedding has a unique celebratory moment. So when we go to weddings, everybody is there to celebrate two individuals. Well, not Christ's wedding. In Christ's wedding, what's going to be celebrated is this celebration of righteousness. So watch this theme that unfolds as we continue to read through 1B, if you will, through verse 5. So this great multitude is there. Now watch what they're doing. They're crying out, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For His judgments are true and just, for He has judged the great prostitute... How many weddings have you been to where everybody's going, Yeah! They judge the great prostitute. Now, I don't think anybody has been to that type of wedding. So listen again to what's being said. Who corrupted the earth with her, her immorality, and he has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And one more time they cried out, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures, they fell down and they worshiped God who was seated on the throne saying, Amen and Hallelujah. And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you His servants, you who fear Him, small and great. So Revelation has had a lot of times that we've mourned and we've looked at things that are trivial, but now all of the mourning or the lament of Revelation has turned to a party. And the party, again, is specific in that everybody is celebrating that sin and unrighteousness have been eradicated and righteousness now stands forever. That's the theme of Christ's wedding moment. It's, it's triumph, if you will. You know what it's like to feel triumph, right? You know, you study for the test and you aced it and there's that that feeling that erupts of triumph. You're, you're trying to get the job, and you have to get into a bus in the middle of Missouri to make it happen, and you, it's the triumph. You, you have the children, whatever it is. There's, we all know what those feelings are. I'm shooting for something, and all of a sudden your nervousness turns to confidence because you've triumphed. Well, that's the theme of Christ's wedding is there's this triumph. 
And the triumph is unrighteousness has been done away with and now all that stands forever in eternity is righteousness. And I think if we can get a hold of this, it will have great impact on us and we'll really understand what's going to happen at the marriage of the Feast of the Lamb. And what, if you will, listen, don't read this and think, oh, that's something someone will experience. This is what we will experience at the wedding feast of the Lamb. That being that our outward struggle and inward ache, if you will, that we feel over sin will be gone forever. We'll never feel that ache, if you will, that we sometimes still feel. Let me give you an example. Last night, and you all know what this is like too, but maybe this illustration will help you feel this as well. Last night here in this room, um, some men gathered together. If, if you walked in and it smelled like chicken wings, because there were chicken wings in this room last night, and some men gathered together to watch Mike Tyson fight Roy Jones Jr. Yes, a 54-year-old and a 51-year-old did indeed fight, and they really did fight. I thought somebody was going to just straight up walk in the ring and go out with a bad back, but they didn't. They really did fight. Well, in that, it was, it was a fun moment and, and, and camaraderie was happening. But in the midst of the fun was this. After every preliminary fight, some new rap artist got up. And they did their thing. And, and, and after the, the first one played, and there were some words that happened, and I was like, whoa. And I thought for a second, God is about to burn down this room right here, right now, okay? So then the second time the second rapper got up, we just muted it. We ran out back there and put on some Christian music and let it play as it was going on, that kind of stuff. There was just a lot of unnecessary words and that kind of stuff. In the midst of fun still came that moment to where everybody in here that was a Christian went, that, that aches. You know what I'm talking about? We all know what it's like to experience awesome things, but while we're stuck in this world, there's still that, uh, that ache. And for you, that ache occurs, maybe it's something you watch, maybe it's something you enjoy, maybe it's a hobby. Even on vacations, right? I have never been on a vacation where there wasn't at least some point where sin was involved, whether it be in communication with me and Julie Beth or with the kids or something that occurred out where we were, that you just like, this is an awesome moment, but I still feel that, uh, that ache. That it's just not right. At Christ's wedding day, that ache uh, will be gone. It's righteousness forever. Sports will be redeemed. Art will be redeemed. Music will be redeemed. Dance will be redeemed. Conversations will be redeemed. Eating habits will be redeemed. Emotions will be redeemed. Even jokes will be redeemed. How many jokes have you laughed at because they were really funny and then afterwards you walked away and went, I don't know if I should have laughed at that. You know what I'm talking about. All gone at Christ's wedding, all things will be freed from unrighteousness to righteousness. That's the celebration joy of the wedding feast of the Lamb. And that feeling of triumph will be perpetually and eternally unleashed forever. 
Specifically, when Satan is dealt with in this text, he is crushed and put in, but also specifically as Christ, he is forever exalted as the King of kings and Lord of lords and reigns as our bodyguard forever. That's number two. And then number three. The third thing that I think we can see from this text is this, that Christ's wedding is our wedding. Let's look at this, verse 6 through 10. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of the great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. And it was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this down, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Now, every wedding has a variety of grand moments. Every wedding has a variety of grand moments. If it's an arranged wedding, then the grand moment is when it's finally arranged and the dowry is worked out. If it is a spontaneous wedding that just kind of happens spontaneously, well, the spontaneity itself becomes the grand moment of the wedding. Common marriages that we experience in our society kind of have a mixture of both. has all these grand moments. But there's one moment that is the greatest moment of all moments in weddings. And it is not the kiss. Sometimes that's the most awkward moment in all weddings, but that's not the greatest moment. The greatest moment in all weddings is when the groom is standing there, and then all of a sudden... From the back, the bride busts on the scene. And when she busts into the room and the doors are open or whatever it looks like, everybody in the room stands up. And they stand up and they look at her. <clears throat> I want to challenge you to do something, by the way, because that's, that is the grand moment. But the coolest thing that happens in that moment is not what happens back there. The coolest thing is what's happening right up here. Next time, don't turn and look at the groom. You, the bride, you can look at her real fast, but look at the groom. Because you'll see him all googly-eyed, and his knees will kind of be wobbly. And almost every wedding that I've been a part of, you can hear the groom kind of go, Whew. It's just this wow moment. And so the grand moment in every wedding is this greatest moment, and that's the picture that we see in this text. Is on Christ's wedding day, there'll come this moment to where Christ stands, but then His bride will bust in the room, and the picture that's painted here is she's in white linen, and she's pure, and all of these type things. And there's this grand eruption with hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now here's the kicker of all of that. If you are a believer, this moment is you. It's you who busts through the door. It's you who busts on the scene. It's you who walks in and, and stirs up this whole hallelujah. 
That's the craziest part of this wedding. It's easy to think about this in terms of that's going to be a cool moment to sit back and watch. But if you are of Christ, you are the bride. And so as we kind of shift gears now, and you guys are thinking about that maybe in a whole new light, the groom is looking dapper, the bride's never looked better, and in this moment is just kind of this eruption of, of, of joy. It's this awestruck moment to where we're face to face with Christ in a way that we've never experienced Him before and in a way that He's never experienced us. This is the Revelation 19 moment. We see Christ in this text standing tall and proud. And then we see the bride enter the one that he lived a perfect life for even when she was adulterous, the one that he bled and died for, the one that he rose again for and continued to intercede on our behalf. Sin no longer has shackles on the bride of Christ and she busts in the room in radiant white. Now here's the kicker. Everyone looks and smiles at Christ in this moment because we certainly know that we're unworthy. We certainly know we don't deserve the wedding dress. And the scandal of it all is that Christ one day at this wedding will look in your eyes if you're a believer and say these words. You are perfect. In the words of a song that's going on right now, can you imagine Christ saying to you, Darling, you look perfect tonight. And that is the picture of Christ at this wedding feast. And this is the moment that the gospel gets more real in the Bible than I think ever before. The moment where we know we're not worthy, but He says, I grant to you white clothes and linen. Now, when we think about that, we want to argue with ourselves and go, "No, that, mm, that cannot be me, Troy. That cannot be me that Christ will say that to. Don't you know that Christ really knows my inward details? Yeah, He does. He knows every single one of them. And we want to go, I can't marry Christ because I don't have a dress fitting to wear. And he goes, you're right, you don't. But I grant you one. And then we go, no, 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 no. I cannot be wed to Christ because I don't have enough wedding money. And he goes, you're right, you don't. But I do, and I grant that to you. And then we go, no, no, no. I'm not pretty enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not funny enough, I'm not wise enough, I'm not whatever. And he goes, no, 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 no. I chose you and granted this to you. Not because you deserved it, not because you earned it, but because I choose you. And you go, Troy, that sounds too lofty, that sounds too crazy. Well, I didn't say it. Verse 8 says this, 
and it was granted to her. And that's you. And so the honeymoon comes after that. As we continue the wedding theme and we think about honeymoons and they usually last, I don't know, seven days, ten days if you're really lucky. If you're just crazy out of the ordinary, 14 days. Well, here's the kicker of this honeymoon. It perpetually lasts for all eternity. In paradise, with the Christ who bled and died for us. Now, when I say all that as we end, does all that sound too good to be true? As you think about the wedding and, and our part in it, does that all sound too crazy to be true? That Christ would love us in that way and adorn us in that way and, and that one day you will bust on the scene and Christ smile at you and go, Whoa! Doesn't that sound too good to be true? It kind of does, doesn't it? And the angel knew exactly that that would be your response. Which is why, again, as we close, did you catch verse 9? After he describes this wedding, the angel says to me, Write this, Blessed are those who were invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, Because I know that you won't believe this, these are the true words of God. So today... I don't know what your thanksgiving looked like or what you had to be thankful for. But if you're a believer, this blows anything you had thankfulness to be thankful for out of the water. That Christ not only engaged Himself to you, but He will consummate that marriage on a glorious day to where we'll know Him in a way that we've never known before. And He smile at you as the apple of His eye. It's the scandal of the gospel. Let's pray together. Well, so God, as we think on this text, and we make it into Revelation 19, and we think about this future wedding to come, God, I know a lot of times that I've read this and looked at, well, that'll be a, a, a cool moment for some people. But, oh God, that we would realize this is our moment. It's a moment that Christ gets all the glory, yes. But it's a moment that He delights in as He has chosen us as His bride, as He has bled and died for us, as His bride, as He's redeemed us, as His bride, as He's resurrected for us, as His bride, as He's perpetually interceded at the right hand of the Father on our behalf as a bride, that one day it will all come to this glorious moment to where the marriage feast of the Lamb occurs. Thank you. Not that you would just simply invite us, but that you would take us as yours in a way that we've never experienced before. Jesus, may those thoughts drive us to worship you like we never have with both our 
song, but more importantly, our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.